Welcome to the Movement Podcast. This show is all about movement. We tackle it from different angles, bring on guests, answer questions, go on a few tangents, and give practical advice. Giving you a better idea of how you can optimize the human body to be the best it can be. Let's preview what's coming up in this episode. Today, we welcome our guest, Mike Contreras. Mike is the Division Chief at Orange County Fire Authority based in Mission Viejo, California. With over 30 years of experience working with and training firefighting personnel, he is also the founder of FMS Health and Safety, which addresses individual risk of injury and helps optimize overall health and performance. On this episode, we discuss working with industrial athletes. We cover what tactics he employs during training, how the world of industrial athletes has evolved, and what are some takeaways we can learn from his journey. So let's sound the alarm with today's episode of the Movement Podcast, powered by FMS. So really excited, Gray. We got Mike Contreras, one of our, you know, instructors, you know, one of the guys that's been around us for shoot, probably going on 20 years now, Mike. So can't thank you enough for joining us today. Um, like I said, one of our instructors has been around, but really a friend of FMS and a friend of ours for all those years. So thanks, Mike, for, for joining us today. We got a lot of good stuff we're going to get into. Well, thank you, Lee and Gray, um, not only for having me on, but obviously your mentorship over the, I was looking at the calendar, it was just about 20 years ago, uh, this April, when the first time we heard Gray talk and then shortly thereafter with you. So I could not have done anything that I've done without your guys' mentoring and, and help. And honestly, your your leadership and being on the forefront of movement. So well, thank well, you. Well, help me. My and your timeline face-to-face, didn't we first meet face-to-face at an RKC? No, the very first time was actually at Athletes Performance. In 2002, at what they called, at back then, they, I don't know if they still do it, they called it a firefighter mentorship. Uh, it was a three-day. Uh, at the time, it was Joe Gomes and Mark himself were, were teaching it. And it was just a bunch of, I call it just a bunch of meatheads, you know, wanting to, and we thought we were going to go there and work out. Uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, the, the, the part with you is, here's this, this guy, Greg Cook, right? we like all we did was bench press squats and deadlift that that was our workout and there's this guy gray cook didn't have any sleeves on his shirts even back then um and we we had one of our if we you will the the fittest firefighters for us uh he just back then we did a thing called the firefighter combat challenge i remember that one of the national leaders uh a hundred he was in a in a group at the time was only 10 in the in the world that had done it faster than him. And you went in and did your toe touch progression. So, and he was one of those guys, he could get to the top of his knees. That's where his toe touch looked like. And, you know, we, we called it at the time, Gray was doing voodoo. And I was like, what is that voodoo? And, and the whole three days turned from working out to what did that guy do? And we took Joe Gomes out for beers I was talking to Mark and, and, and it all became about FMS, like this, this thing, you know? Um, so that was the first time that was 2002. I, I'm pretty sure it was around April of 2002. You know, uh, that, that, that phenomenon you're talking about, I, I do remember that now. And I, I the thing I, I remember, I remember working with that guy, the language that, that I'm trying to cultivate in myself and in some of my writing now is I think what you were instantly aware of as a as a a 
sort of a, I guess at the time, were you one of the peer fitness guys, one of the guys in the, in the fire service that had enough of a athletic and exercise background where you could sort of take leadership. But what I think was probably resonating with you is that whether you're a football player as you were, or whether you're a firefighter, your current state of readiness means everything. Your future state of risk means everything after that. But if your current state of readiness is compromised, then there's a problem. When, when we have the capacity, and you do too, and lead us too, to take somebody who's a physical specimen and even improve his state of readiness, because we didn't just change his toe touch. If we'd had a Y balance test, he would have done better on the Y balance test. He might have even done better on a, on a cardio test or a grip strength test after uh, that toe touch progression. And it's not because touching your toes gives you all that. Touching your toes is simply a signature that he was carrying way more unnecessary tone than he needed. And that is going to give you early fatigue and movement compensation, things like that. So what was probably flipping in your head is how can somebody change somebody's movement signature that quickly um, on somebody who's already a very superior athlete. And we'd already been doing it in the NFL. So we realized even the best athletes in the world have inefficiencies, unnecessary tone, and the best signature of that is in a simple movement pattern, not in the thing they like doing because speed hides, speed is camouflage, right? Strength is camouflage. And the movement screen strips all that away and says, can you move in your own dimensions symmetrically and authentically? Uh, you know. Yeah, and, and see that—that that was what the screen brought out. Is he was our, if you will, our fittest guy, right? We weren't even talking movement. Like I said, we went there to work out. That's what we thought. We were pure fitness trainers, and the qualification qualifications for pure fitness trainers were: Were you a college athlete? Uh, do you work out? Can you can you lift a lot? Movement never factored into it. And so when we went there, and and this this individual uh is so competitive and he went when when i could touch my ankles and he could touch his kneecaps like why and and it, it showed him really the epiphany there was you can change you can improve even at the point i think we were what that would have been 20 years ago so 25 26 we we were invincible right it, it, it the the mark of a and i've heard you say this the mark of a good workout for us then was how could we not get off the ground, right? Or how how many days would we be sore for? That was our metric. Um, and so you got a good arm day if you can't wash that. your back. <laughs> right. it, 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 so so movement. I mean, that was the 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 aha moment. And I and I will say it changed my life. Twenty years later, um, I, I look at things totally different. But that that was the moment. Well, I think I remember getting to know you at the RKC because you came up and I think at that time we probably went back to that conversation. But the only thing I was thinking about standing there in your presence at the RKC is, well, I know if I'm in his group, I'm at least second best. <laughs> That's what I knew, right? This is a big, strong guy, you know, but uh, it was, it was so neat to see a guy like yourself sort of get that, that movement message and then realize the same thing, you know, kettlebells offer us something that straight bars don't. Um, they offer us more unilateral training than straight bars and more ballistic training than dumbbells, you know? And, and so since life is at speed and, you know, we saw a lot of people get really strong with 24K, 
You, you know what I'm saying? Oh, and, and, and they would trash you, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, so, but that's part of the part of the, what you have to battle. I mean, Mike, you, we're talking about 20 years ago. You're still having the same battle today, trying to convince a lot of the people you come into contact day in and day out why this is a good approach. Because most of the, these 25 year olds that are coming into the fire force, firefighter, as a firefighter at 22, 23, 24, still want to go out there and think a workout is how much weight can I throw around? You know, how sore can I be? And not, and you still have to have that conversation. How do you have that conversation? Well, number one, it's easier today than it was back then because I'm a chief, right? So, so <laughs> of course. they kind of have to, do, they kind of have to do what I say. Um, but um, it's it's the same conversation. It, it's take it's doing what Gray did 20 years ago. Hey, touch your toes. I can't. I've never been able. Okay, well, let me show you some stuff. And and finding those things um, that that will at least get them to listen. And then you got to start the education process. And and I've seen that for the last 20 years, right? Uh, when, when we originally brought you in, so I think it was about a year after we met Gray, you know, we, well, we got to do correctives, right? And I remember writing corrective programs, not even knowing what, what I was doing. Uh, but I had contacted you and, you know, like everything, there's budgets and, and I had a little extra money and I was like, Hey, do you, can you come out and teach? And you're like, yeah, not really for that kind of money, but if we can link it. I told right? Gray it was I told Gray it was a lot less. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think you were coming out here for perform better. You were coming out here for something. So we linked it with that. You came out a couple days early. I think we paid for your the switch in your airfare. And you came out and, and that was the piece. Now we, instead of at Athletes Performance, we saw uh there's four of us that saw Gray. Now I had like 25 of them in the room and they were able to see it. And that, and then that's, you start talking about culture and leadership and starting to, to change how people think about working out. Uh, Cause that was in the early stages of CrossFit, right? And we had guys, Oh, I love CrossFit. And again, it's not to say you should or shouldn't, but you need to have that, that movement ability and then start to build on capacity uh, that everything that Gray talked about in the beginning. And, and it was, I remember at the time we had our chief come down and, you know, he was looking at it from a totally different angle. We were looking at it about working out. Uh, he was looking at it in workers comp. So that that's, you know, our, our fire chief at the time, uh, we had been running academies and we averaged a hundred to $120,000 uh, of an academy in injuries, either due to clinical vis- uh, visits, lost time, um, we what really brought it to a head uh, and helped me timing was everything was uh, it would have been about 2004 we had one academy that we retired a 27 year old um oh and God. because they were unable to continue uh and they they had a um it was it was a fracture of their i think their tibia and it created some problems with their knee. They had surgery and they were unable to bend their knee after that and ended up retiring them out. So you had a medical retirement plus about $300,000 in either lost time or treatment care. It was a, a, a total of six people that didn't get to hit the floor. So at that time, what we call our operations chief said, that's unacceptable. We have to do something. So Mike, that was you the have- good part. 
So when you had to kind of put it in perspective, when you have a person retire medically at 27, they are continuing to get paid for the rest of their life. Is that right? Or until they That's retire. That's correct. So you're talking yeah. about not just the money to have the surgery, you're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars for that person if they live to be 75 years old. That that is yes. That so, is a major, and I think that's where the light bulb kind of went off for me, because at that point, we were kind of in the athletic world, um, start, starting to get a little, gain a little traction in the, in the uh, fitness world. But I think, Mike, when you, when you came and you started working with us and we started uh, collaborating, I would say a lot, is, is that's where it was like, wow, this, this, has, this, has, this can really impact um, a different population than what I was kind of you know, working in. No, I, and, yeah. and one of the things that, that, that hits you like a ton of bricks, if you think it through is unfortunately, and, and by no design of this person's own, he's enjoying more of your retirement than you will. You're still in the fire service. You're going to enjoy some of your retirement, but, but you know, when, when we have things on our watch that don't have to occur and do, it hurts everybody. It, it, it hurts one individual and probably compromises uh, their life, but but it hurts everybody. And, and we often talk about you and another guy named Mike, as in the Mikes, because Mike Strock with the SEAL teams and you with the fire service both didn't run away from this information. We shot one across your bow. You took the challenge. You said, I either got to do the same thing as everybody else, a little bit better because I'm a driven individual. Or I got to do something completely different as well as I can. And both of you took the road less travel because nobody else was doing that. This with the SEAL teams at the time this way. And nobody else was doing this with the fire service this way. And the one way that you guys have contributed to our thinking uh, as much as any researcher is both in the military and the fire service, you're forced to use numbers to define your impact and your existence. and. I think some of the some of the ways you've used numbers to define your impact, and the unfortunate thing is you've had to do it a few different times. You thought you were teaching people to fish, and you were just handing them fish because the minute you go away, they start starving <laughs> again. Tell us a little bit about how many times you've had to, you've had to basically just say it's this simple. Connect the dots; yeah. it'll be fine. To give us those stories. Um, I think there, there's a couple. There's the original one, $300,000 in injuries. The operation chiefs come and says, hey, what do you need? We can't have that. And, and you, you know, we're public servants. We, we help the public, but we have to start at home. And for this individual, yes, he does get a retirement, but, I, you know, I, I've lost touch with him. You know, is he out running with his kids? Does he not get to play baseball? He's not, he doesn't get to do any of that stuff. So, you know, when you hurt somebody, and I would love to tell you that uh, I did it all right, but like you've said before, we learn a lot more from our mistakes than we do from our successes. And so in this particular case, we were we were able to get Lee, and I think we got Lee out here a couple more times. You know, we had to buy, I think the first time purchase of kits is we bought like 20 of them, and we got all these kits, and uh, it was really just awkward. We stumbled through it. Uh, we had a lot of luck. Like I said, with you guys, I was, Lee was phenomenal. I could pick him up, pick up the phone, give him a call and say, hey, how do we do this, right? How, how, do, we, how do we do this in large groups? How do we program correctives? And, and he was there. 
you were there and you guys answered the call every time. So it was, that was a big part of it. Just having somebody being able to go to the source and problem solve this. Um, from there, we had the results. I mean, we, 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 did, we still do it to this day, um, not to the level that we did then, but we had a thing called the fitness fair where the first thing we did is we screened you. We sat, put you through the screen. Um, you know, Lee has seen, he saw some of the early pictures and we even had, uh, as we were doing the inline lunge, we had the arms in the wrong way. Right. And we're, we're but we're stumbling through it. And don't so, feel bad. We've that, seen textbooks have them the wrong way too. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it was a lot of luck and, and, and just trial and error. And what we, over three academies in the beginning, I was able to show, and, it, and it, we had the workers comp numbers. We had our FMS scores. We had some capacity tests, like physical agility things that we do. Um, and it showed that if your FMS score, uh, and we did see the same thing. We saw 14 uh, as as the, the perfect number. We did find um, later on that, believe it or not, ankle was a real big uh, metric. And, and, and if we could have all these other things, they were great. But that ankle was where we, we focused. Um, and that was later on down the line. But we started looking at these reports. And at the time, I was the only firefighter that didn't work for a firefighter of some rank. I worked for the risk manager. And again, that was at the time that I was in that position, I was like, risk manager? I don't, I'm a fireman. I, I don't talk to risk managers. But he shared the perspective and, and it allowed me to have access to those workers' comp numbers. We saw lost time, number of visits in the academy. Then we followed them for an additional three years and saw that those that maintain their FMS score, um, and again, that you can say, I say score just to be easy, but had that mobility or that movement competence, they didn't get injured at all. You take the other group, that were kind of banged up, didn't do their programs. And um, I want to say they were five times as likely to be injured. And uh, when you weighted them out on a five-year average, uh, it was the difference between um, the group that was injured and the group that wasn't injured. It was a comparison of almost a million dollars to $100,000. So, once I had that, and, and I think all that information is on your website, Lee, um, that was the, it's like, hey, you can have anything you want, right? That was a really good place to be uh, when you're looking at budgets and things like that. And then to your point, we get a new chief that one retires, and now we're going to do something different. Well, as you can imagine, workers' comp goes up. Why are people getting hurt in the academy, right? Hey, Mike, uh, can you come back? Um, yeah, I can, you know, then they put me back in charge of our wellness program, um, to our latest venture. We've got another chief. Um, and you know, it's, it's not very common to have a division chief out doing PT with recruits. Uh, but the fact is, um, we need to, uh, and so I've been out there, uh, and trying to, um, get this latest group and now it's passed off again to another guy. So um, the cycle and the issues are the same, um, but it takes leadership um, to make sure that you, you stay on that forefront and you're willing to do um, 
the things that are less popular. No, you, you, you've led by example the whole time. And the second wave of information that, that you helped us with is so many people early were sort of questioning injury prediction, injury prevention. It's not even about that. When you were able to go screen the guys coming in the academy and going out of the academy, you told us something that I think we all felt is the people who screen poorly going in, uh, we'll probably get injured, but there are also injuries that are going to occur just because we're doing new stuff and beating on you a little bit. But the people who screened well, their injury was a blip in their career. It wasn't a total trajectory change. And so what you were able to say in both financial and, and time and energy consumption is people with low screens take way more resources to get to the exact same place as people with high screens. But if you have a poor movement screen, you are literally sensory deprived because you don't feel what your body should do in this situation. You have less options. And I guess you could have to say that every fire you've ever been involved with is completely different than every other fire. The systems of the change are the same. The equipment's the same, but every situation is a little bit different depending on weather and, and, and stuff like that. And so, you know, the best way to be, um, I'd say fit for an unpredictable environment is to not bring any baggage to it. <laughs> you have more options yeah. and you, you you said that, that that's perfectly said and, and you articulated it a lot better than I could because that's exactly what we saw. You know, back then we had, uh, we bought, went to the sporting goods store and bought 10 polar watches. We started looking at, remember I talked to you about recovery and looking at heart rate first thing in the morning. We could make recruits do that, right? And so, hey, I want you to look at your, your heart rate in the morning and we would have the higher FMS scores would have a lower, you know, they would recover faster versus the, the person that was sore every day. Uh, he, 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 his sympathetic nervous system was pegged out while he was laying in bed. Right. And, and that, <laughs> that was a, that was a huge eye opener for us because then, we, you know, we, we did at the beginning, then we had those low FMS scores. They didn't get to work out. They did corrective. That, that was their, that was their PD, PT program. Right. And we, we didn't put try to put fitness on dysfunction. We were able to deal with the dysfunction. And and it some I think the worst one we had, uh, th this guy was a he he was a what we call a lateral. He'd come from another department and I call him he was a bag of bolts. He he clinked and clanked every time he walked. And uh, we it was almost five weeks before we could get him working out. <laughs> a bag but, of bolts. I love that. <laughs> right. To, to his own admittance, um, I feel like and I can actually work out now. But it took us five weeks. And, and we didn't do anything, you know, crazy. Hey, Lee, can we do these corrective? This is what I'm thinking. Yeah, maybe this, maybe that. Um, and it, it worked, you know. And, and I think that was the other thing for me about the FMS. I'm not a physical therapist. I'm just I'd like to think I have some common sense. Um, and I can understand, I understand the fire service. So it was simple. Wasn't always easy, but it was simple. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've heard us talk about the power of the functional movement screen. It can forever change the way you work with athletes and clients. Sign up for our FMS live virtual course and become FMS certified from the comfort of your own home or office. 
You will be guided by a live instructor through the entire process. With the ability to ask our team questions in real time and watch instructors work with live models throughout the day. You'll finish the course with the ability to start implementing the FMS into your own practice. And for a limited time, we'd like to offer our podcast listeners a special discount. Follow the link in the show notes and use promo code VERT22 at checkout for $50 off virtual FMS Level 1 or Level 2 certification courses. That's virt 22 And if you bundle them at checkout, you'll save an additional $120 automatically. We look forward to you joining us. Now back to the show. I think the, the assumption, and I think probably now more than back then, is that you have to do this, this, and this, right? Like you have to screen exactly this way. You've got to do the correctives exactly this way. And I think what you're touching on, it is more about the philosophy of doing, the, you know, finding where the problems are, separating out, because you're talking about a lot of people. And I think that's kind of what, where, we're, where, where I'm trying to head is, how do you deal with that large of a group of people? And it's not that everybody's got to individualize. You got to pull out everybody. It's like, you're almost bucketing these people to say, okay, okay. And that's also how you get buy-in. So I'm kind of hitting two birds with one stone here, is you get buy-in by making people more aware of their limitations. Because you're dealing with a lot of type A personalities, I would imagine, coming in to the, to the, to the fire service that they want to run through the brick wall, right? They want to go out there and fight. They want to go do the thing. And yet you have, you're identifying that you can't even stand on this board without almost falling off. Well, they want to know, the next question is, okay, how do I fix this? I know this is a problem. So that's how you get your buy-in, but you don't have to just put a microscope on every person. That awareness that they're almost self-identifying by going through this movement test is going to make it life easier for you when you say, hey, you don't need to be putting weight on your back and lunge until you can stand on this board and do this little thing. And that's where it makes sense in most of these guys' head. And I think that's where it can change the culture a little bit. Well, the other thing that that I've noticed, and and I didn't mean to interrupt, but when when you're training firefighters and you're training them in a skill, a job-specific skill, you have a test to see if they have competency in that dedication of time. But we also allocate time for firefighters to get general physical conditioning. What's the test for that? Because now we've got enough data coming from school-age kids and the military to say, if you've got low cardiovascular or cardiorespiratory fitness in a two-mile or a mile-and-a-half run, you got musculoskeletal issues and you don't know it, but when people have a cardio problem and they want to get more resilient cardio, the first thing they do is pick a movement where they can get cardio. And if you've got asymmetries and poor core and stiff ankles and no T-spine mobility whatsoever, your cardio can only get so good because your fatigue is coming from inefficiency, not from a adequate cardiovascular load. So it's a vicious cycle. We see poor cardiovascular fitness and we give somebody a cardiovascular supplement, but they're going to hit a ceiling really quick until they can find one place where their movement doesn't disadvantage them. So the only place they can express their cardio is now in the pool. And unfortunately, you don't have to fight fires there. (laughs) (laughs) No, great. That's a perfect point because, you know, we have this standardized physical agility test. It's a, it's a, a timed if you if you made it with under this time it's pass or fail. So we'd get these people, um, and what you talked about ankles, right? We we we'd run them and we'd see these people, and and, and again they're highly motivated because they know a job's on the line. So we'd see these people, and and 
we'd see shin splints really bad. And it's like, why is this group having shin splints? I mean, this was later down the line, but we looked and said, why is this, why are they having this issue? Uh, and we went and we were able to look at, oh, there's something here with the ankle. That, that person, uh, the job is the job, right? And we had done a bunch of testing uh, where we had put people, put heart rate monitors, put them in their turnouts and did a simulated fire. And we did it for 30 minutes and then 15 minutes recovery. We tested specific gravity. We looked at their hydration. It, w- it was not just movement, but it was just really looking at what it was going to take. Um, because at the time, the union was jamming me up saying that our workouts were too tough. And what we showed through the monitoring is that on, on average, our people were at 190 beats a minute. Now, that's relative to age, conditioning. You know, we, we didn't look, can look at those factors, but what we saw is the job is a high demand job. What we have to make sure is that your body is capable of that demand. And once we did that, we had all kinds of people uh, wanting to come and sign up. We, we actually uh, did, an, again, another fitness fair and people would, oh, yeah, give me your score. I think we Lee gave us a deal on the software and we gave him these nice printed out pieces of paper because people don't they, they just assume their ankles are supposed to hurt that way right or their sh- you know why does your shoulder hurt so much when you run should it it really shouldn't right but like you talk about their t-spot they're, they're just locked up and so for things like um in we lunge a lot when we get down to pick up hose and we get on our bellies but if you can't lunge in a pair of shorts what do you think is going to happen when we put 60 pounds of gear on you, right? And that that's kind of that added piece to firefighting. I, I think um, to Lee's point, and, and uh, I'm sure we'll get there, but I'll talk a little bit about uh, why I ultimately, we partnered in creating FMS HS. Um, we, we were able over a seven year, uh, we just had the seven, seventh year anniversary um, back in January and as you guys know, we worked with the largest utility on the West Coast when we started. Um, I don't recommend it because it's like eating an elephant. Um, <laughs> and there's a lot of things. You that, started with uh, the elephant. You didn't start with the uh, <laughs> the orange or the apple. No, I did not. And so that that but the, the, what that taught me is over the the time we screened three thousand employees four times throughout the year. And when you and say utility, you're talking point. you're talking pole climbers, electricians type thing. And to me, that that's almost like a strength coach in football leaving that sport after your investment in firefighting and going to a completely different sport and distinguishing yourself once again as a strength conditioning consultant, as a as a as a healthcare uh, first responder, if if you will, you went from firefighters, which have to do fast and furious things, and then have some downtime, to guys who have to climb uh, poles for an entire shift, and so it's 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 two completely different sports, and yet you took the essence of the philosophy to both places. Stuff was different, workouts were different, correctives were different, but the whole point of a screen was the same. You were capturing, compartmentalizing, and changing the state of readiness of the guys you were working with for the tasks they had to do. Fast and furious, long and arduous, (laughs) you figured it out, but you went from the fire service to a completely different 
sport, if you will, the industrial athlete and didn't distinguish yourself yet again. And, and I want our listeners to know that. How many strength coaches, other than Al Vermeil, just keep switching sports and getting rings? <laughs> well, but, but the one thing I'll also throw that you might kind of touch on as you, as you try to go into this health and safety is the word health and safety. And I think you and I talked about that quite a bit is people assume we're going to be, you're going to be a strength coach for this, you know, group, or you're just going to give them workouts. You made a conscious decision to say, no, this is about health and safety and kind of let, let, give us a little bit of insight on kind of where, how you landed on that. Yeah. So, uh, like I talked about a new fire chief came in, Mike Contreras knows this works and we got a, was talking to somebody at a perform better conference. Uh, he was a health and safety person for the utility. Um, he said, Hey, you know, you, I know you kind of do this thing. And, and we just, just two guys, two fitness guys talking. Uh, and as we did that, he, he said, you know, I'm not sure how to do this. Could, could you help me? And we started with a small group. It was like 20 people and they sold it to their administration saying, Hey, you've got to do this. And you know, the admin was, was, yeah, we need to look at workers comp because uh, utility workers have very high workers comp. And I'll talk about that in a second. Why? But basically we proved it. It was the union. We actually had to go talk to the union because they want, they're there to protect uh, everybody's information, their working conditions and all those things that come with a, with a high risk workplace. But it was the union who said, no, you're going to do this because you need to take care of our, our people. Right. And in a, a group of electrical workers in this company, uh, I want to say in the whole time that I've worked with as high as many as 3,500 employees at a time, I've only had one female. So they were predominantly male. Um, You talk about type A. uh, Can you imagine getting uh, within six inches of 16 kV lines? You know, those are the high power, high tension. So th- these people stare, um, stare danger in the eye, uh, and they keep the lights on every day. And, and I will tell you, as I got to know them, I loved them. Um, but what came out of it was they were messed up. They, you know, they've got 20, 30 years of high work. Um, they work just like firefighters. They work long hours. You know, you don't get to say, um, well, my lights are out. I'm good for the next two days. They've got to come out when the work is done. Um, and, and I would tell you, just I think our original survey, uh, we did the first group was 2,700. And it was like 2,650 had some form of pain somewhere in their body. Um, and what, what we found is, to Lee's point, you can't have safety if you don't have health. Right? And then that's, that's what we really got. You know, if a, if a person is worried about his back, okay, his health, like you, you, you pointed out very clearly, you know, if I'm in pain, I don't have my health. Well, if I, if I climb that pole, I'm going to still climb it, but I'm not going to do it efficiently. I'm definitely probably not going to do it safely. Um, and it was sharing these, I mean, honestly, I would go to perform better. I'd take some of your, you and Lee's nuggets. I put it in a presentation and that's what we we called it rounds because we would go three to four times a year uh, and we do these rounds and, and it was, the, you know, they're, they're human beings. They want to go home to their family. They want to take their wages. They want to take care, pay, catch with their kids. And, and that was the great part about it is they really, once they trusted us, just like a, 
a coach, right? You got to trust your coach. Um, we had um, all the trust in the world where they became our biggest advocates. I'll tell you just a, a quick story. When uh, we, we had a person, as we rolled this out, we started with FMS and then we did grip. Uh, and I think I, I got grip from you, you know, Hey, you want to test this? You know, we had to, um, buy a bunch of, uh, dynamometers, um, yep. dynamometers. I, I just looked in my storage. I've got like 25 of them. Uh, but that's a different story. But this one individual, we made them aware of their body, right? Just like their ankles. Um, Hey, why is my back feel this? And this individual says, you know what? Uh, you know, we tested him and he, I might be off a little bit, but we did his, his right hand. And he was like 105. And for the utility workers, they averaged about 140. Uh, This gentleman was 52 years old. We did his left and we gave him the number and and it was 60. And he said, hmm. And I said, hey, I'm I'm not sure what that means, but I'm telling you it's not right. Okay. So what you need to do is go to the doctor. Well, the next round we come back, he's not there. The following round, he says, I need to get up. Um, I need to get on a video and I need to tell everybody this thing saved my life. Long story short, he had a 98% blockage uh, in his heart. And the doctor said, if he would not have come in, he probably wouldn't have made it through the month. Um, And so that, I mean, that's not necessarily FMS. No, but just, just for our listeners, I want them to understand we stumbled upon grip or we research grip and it's a biomarker. It doesn't mean when, when you see a reduction in grip strength, there's something going on. And we know the association with heart problems in the left shoulder and all that, and that's in the weeds. But the one thing we've learned about movement and the one thing we've learned about stuff like your balance and your grip strength is these are the tip of the iceberg. And, and if these things are interrupted or not authentic or not measuring in the norm, you got to dig and you will find something and it won't always be cardiovascular. It won't always be. But, you know, when we start seeing problems like uh, serious movement asymmetries, movement pain, grip strength and balance being compromised, it opens up a whole world of investigation to stuff that's really important like neurology and circulation. And, and just the fact that you were, you were using those biomarkers that why wouldn't you, there's so much good information about grip around grip strength, meaning how ready are you now? And what's your prediction for the future? We introduced a movement model. There's a lot of uh, information that tells you about the now, and there's a lot of forecasting for the future. Uh, Phil Plisky with the Y balance test, same thing. So we're picking these signatures of authentic human movement. And then people like, yeah, but what's that got to do with exercise? And I'm like, you should be exercising so you get these things. If you're if you're dedicating time to exercise and training and your grip strength isn't sufficient, your balance isn't sufficient, and your movement patterns are broken, somebody's selling you a load of sets and reps that's not transferable to anything except your monitor. <laughs> well, yeah, it's about it, it is about the the health aspect. And I think as you as you got the trust really from the union. Um, and I think that's, that's a question that I get all the time is how do you get, if I'm trying to go into a, in an industry, an industrial setting, how do I get, how do I get the administration or the union to buy in? And I think it is a matter of, you know, getting, get, gaining the trust, speaking the right language. It is about them. It's, you can't go in and say, well, we're going to save you a bunch of money. It's about trying to make you healthy, identifying what you need. And one thing you said, that's always, you know, 
that I've always spoken about when I talk about the great work you've done is you just said out of the 3,500, and you correct me if I'm wrong, 26 odd hundred had pain. Now, if people follow Gray and I, and they hear Gray and I on stage, we say, first thing we say is, hey, if you got somebody in pain, they need to get to a doctor. You cannot send 2,600 people to the doctor because they had pain on a screen. But what you can do is make them aware that this isn't right, this isn't normal, because you, did, you said also a few minutes ago that people with bad ankles think that's just normal. People who have back pain think it's normal. Well, it doesn't have to be that way. And I think that's part of what you've also done a great job of educating people about those things so they can do certain things to get better. Nope. I, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I think, I think that's really it is. Um, and and I, I'll, I brought it up at the beginning. And I'll bring it up again. It comes back to leadership, right? The, the company had to have the right leadership uh, in place. The union had to have the right leadership. Uh, we, we also saw, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you know, we were at, at the height, we were at 108 locations over a 50,000 square mile area. We were at four to five locations a day with my staff. I mean, it was a, a monumental task. But I will tell you that the locations that, and again, just like a football team or a sports team, where the supervisors and the managers at that location said, this is a priority. I don't care what your what job is out there. We're going to take, and, and, it, and it costs because we um, shut the workers down for two hours. We do a presentation. We do the screening, uh, and we do a little bit of education and a survey. So it took two hours um, of their time of productivity. Uh, and the, the, it, again, the, the, the proof is in the pudding in that the supervisors and managers – that had the guts and, and pushed forward uh, and led from the front, guess what happened to their people? They weren't injured as much. They got bonuses. They got awards, right? It, it, it's all tied together. Um, and so I, I don't want to – I'd be remiss to say or not to mention that leadership – is a big part of this. You you use that leadership, and I've watched Mike Strzok do it. I've watched John Tareen do it. I've watched you do it. You spend way more time than most people who are listening think to cultivate the culture so you can get the data. You don't just go in and get the data, bring out your spreadsheet, and give them a PowerPoint presentation. You spend a lot of time cultivating the culture, getting that soil ready, and then you drop the seed and everything grows like it should. But I don't think people really understand carrying the FMS data in your briefcase and throwing it on the table barely gets you a glance. You got to live it, breathe it. I've watched the support staff that you've created. I've watched some of the people that work with Strock and some of the people that have been mentored by John Tareen. You, you cultivate your team so they can deliver a cohesive and consistent message. And then you cultivate the people who are receiving that message so they don't have to learn your language. You speak theirs. And within normal language without having biomechanical or exercise physiology, you can easily describe to people why balance, grip, and movement is important, and they will embrace that. And then a few extra examples and narratives are there. And then all of a sudden, the numbers show themselves. The numbers never show themselves first, and people who are over-concerned about the numbers don't realize that numbers don't shift culture. Narrative, leadership, investment, 
you know, do it with them. You know, that kind of thing changes culture. And then the numbers prove you were right. But one thing I, I want you to touch yeah, on, because you, you said it, Mike, and I'm going to let you kind of go out and talk about this a little bit. You said it, and great, talked about it a little bit. We're talking about data and the numbers. But I think the one thing that you've said that I want you to highlight again, because I think the assumption is, and I get the emails, I get the questions. They come to our website all the time. And I don't want to tell people not to email us or contact us. But people just assume they're going to go to the local fire service, say, look at these numbers at the mess. And it's kind of what Gray's getting into. And just, you know, after going to or after watching a, a YouTube clip, whether that's you or me or Gray, saying we've had this success and assume they're going to go to their local place and do it. What you're saying, it is about leadership because you went, you've had the same thing happen to you, Mike. You've, you've mentioned it already. You've got the numbers at the places you've been. But they still said, nah, we're not going to do that because I think we should do this. Yeah. Um, and, and I think at the end of the day, it, it's like, Coach, one of the most influential uh, people in my life was my strength coach in college, a guy, a, a man named Tim Wilson. He changed my, my life uh, for the better day one, and it's been great ever since. And, and the, what it was is, as a coach, he, we all, as coaches, need to connect with people. And so if you're, if you want to sell something, if you're going in to sell, Hey, let me, let me go do some FMS. It's the, it's the greatest, or like we said 20 years ago, it's voodoo magic, right? Um, people know when you're trying to sell them something, I will tell you if you can connect with them. Um, I, I mean, I had people, I gave out my personal cell number. Um, I, I still have people that will call me, Hey, I'm getting ready for Academy. I heard you're the, the person. Uh, and I don't, I don't deal with rank or anything. I'm here to help people just as you two are. Right. And, and that's really the, the nugget in this. If, if you're in the healthcare business uh, and it's tough nowadays because time is money uh, and trying to, you're trying to do as much as you can, but to Gray's point, you know, if you can connect with them, then you start to build trust. Once you build trust, then they're, they're more likely to do it. Once you they're doing it, now you start to form culture, and culture is where, to me, it's where the magic happens, right? I mean, there's uh, been plenty of nights where I've been in the garage and I've been up at three thirty in the morning to go to a screen, um, but I will tell you, I enjoy it, and, and not to your guys's level, but when you guys get up and, and you command a crowd at Perform Better, that's awesome, right? And and that's exactly how my team. And I had some 21, 22-year-old kids that got in front of utility workers and told them how they need to move, and, and, it, and they felt it, right? And so both sides really can feel when you care. And so that would be my advice. If, if you're looking for, hey, I'm going to go make five grand and I'm going to do people in screens, it's probably not, probably not the business for you. But if you can go in and just work with them, listen to them. That was, you know, I learned more about utilities and, and how power works uh, than I ever thought I would. But when I understand how they're operating, then I can connect with them. And that's really, you know, just like you're both strength coaches, um, that it, it doesn't change whether it's football, utilities, FMS. It's about connecting with the athlete in whatever way you can and trying to make their life better. Right and across we'll, the parking lot, we got a clinic that I always have new therapists coming through that clinic. And I try to tell them all the time, 
They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. This is my hometown. Don't you ever go high-level PhD on these people. You meet them where they are. You care for them. You might get to tell some of them you wrote a book or an article, but they don't care. They want their independence back. They want their performance back as long as you care about that. And that's the one thing Lee and I realize when when we get up on stage, we, we joke with each other. We're like, we're not important. The message is important. And I watch so many people use the message to make themselves be more important when the, when the message is way bigger than the man, right? We're going we're gonna to be flawed. We're going to make mistakes. I can't pull a 21 on the movement screen. But I've been passionate about telling everybody that I also try not to fail one every day when I wake up, you know. And so there's just this this care factor, and that's the one thing we can't teach people. That's you know, Lee Lee has talked a lot of people through FMS just like he did you. At some point, he quits answering their calls and keeps answering yours because the care comes through. <laughs> the questions no, I, are the same, but the care starts coming through, and that's where we invest because we know something's going to happen. So, and Mike, one thing that you know, kind of put this in more a bigger picture for what for what we should be doing as all professionals. We were talking about movement. We we're talking about movement screening, and you were able to get the movement screen involved in a lot of these places. 3,500 people, a lot of people doing it. But once you started getting that buy-in, one thing that you started doing was go beyond looking at just exercise because you started getting more questions that really you became just as much about overall wellness where you were talking about hydration, nutrition. So movement was a piece, but to get to some of the numbers you got to, you couldn't just rely on giving them a few correctives. You had to really go outside and start thinking, start pulling in all the other things that are going to make these people healthier long-term. Well, and, and, and to your point, if you look at what's gone on the last two years, right, I'd like to think that I had a crystal ball and I could have foreseen it. But once you have that trust and, and they feel better, hey, what do you have next, right? And so we did very simple things. We introduced nutrition, uh, we introduce sleep, right? Um, the average utility worker sleeps less than six hours a night, seven days a week. So, hey, what if we can get you one more hour, right? That's, um, you spoke about Torrain. You know, I can't thank him enough. Uh, he was, he's been part of the team and still is. And, and again, I'm going to say leadership because he's forgotten more things than I've ever known about some of this stuff. And he, you know, he talks about as a strength coach, and that's where I got it from, was you have to care, right? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I, that was something that G, uh, John just kept repeatedly doing it. So that's when we brought in, hey, I'm not going to tell you that you need to eat weeds and seeds. I'm going to tell you if it's in a package, don't eat it. How, that's all the nutrition we're going to talk today. Just if it's in a package, don't eat it. Um, and then you know, take that to the next level. And, and I think what we're seeing today um, with COVID and, and, and I've been on the front lines of that. I, I ran one of the vaccination uh, pods here in, in Southern California. We vaccinated 300,000 people. But what that gave me a front seat to was how unhealthy people are, right? That, that, that people really, uh, it, it sounds simple. We're going to talk about some movement. We're going to talk about some nutrition. And we're going to get some sleep. It's not very hard, right? Again, we talk about simple, but not always easy. Uh, it, it's fundamentals. It's, you know, it's not Mike Contreras or even John Terrain. Uh, it's some pretty simple principles. 
And if you stick to them, you can have a great life. Um, and, and so to your point, Lee, it, that was the stuff we were rolling out. But here we are two years later and probably what obesity is probably um, as bad as it's ever been. And if you did a little bit of movement and you got a little bit more sleep and you ate a little bit better, you could probably change all that stuff. The Functional Movement Screen is your baseline. And now it is easier than ever to get certified by signing up for one of our live virtual courses. We offer FMS Level 1 and 2 virtual courses online, guided by a live instructor who will take you through the entire process. You'll be able to ask our team questions in real time and watch instructors work with live models throughout the day to be sure you leave with a clear understanding and ability to start implementing the FMS into your own practice. And for a limited time, we'd like to offer our podcast listeners a special rate for this FMS virtual experience. Follow the link in the show notes and use promo code VERT22 at checkout for $50 off virtual FMS Level 1 or Level 2 certification courses. That's virt two two. And if you bundle them at checkout, you'll save an additional $120 automatically. We look forward to you joining us. Now back to the show. My best days are the days that I can, I can work out, I can go paddleboard, I can go mountain bike. That ability to do things, that adds to my mindset. And, and that, um, I haven't talked too much about it, but uh, for the last two years, I've been on the front line of the COVID. Everything from running a vaccination pod um, to what we call an IMT, which is running the, our fire department and how we're going to respond to it. And one of the things that, that people are just now starting to talk about is how this, let's just say COVID in general, the impact it's having on people's mental well-being. Um, and, and again, if I'm moving poorly and I hurt, it's probably going to affect my mental ability and how I feel. If I'm moving well and I'm having a good day and I pop out of bed and I can do some some exercise and I'm eating a little bit better and I get a good night's sleep, guess what's happening in my mind? I'm ready to go and I, I can handle it. And so, um, like I said, it wasn't that I was a genie or had a crystal ball, but I think some of those simple fundamental concepts uh, that we've said for years will help you. I think we've proven over the last couple of years they'll continue to help you if you take it serious. As you're looking at retirement, Lee just turned 50. I think at some point in our in our lifespan, our focus switches from performance to independence. I don't want somebody dressing me at 80. I just don't. I, I don't think it's going to be fun for them, and I know it's not going to be fun for me. I, I am training for independence, not performance. I, I, I have performance goals I'd like to maintain, but mostly I want to do things and uh, and and not have a whole lot of people help me uh, do them, you know. <laughs> so, uh, and that's the one thing that I, I see with both the the gift that you've given the examples in the fire surface and your industrial athletes is why why are you going to stay in this job till retirement to obviously be financially set and then not independent with your physical life? If if we leave you with a retirement fund and no independence physically, we really haven't left you with what you served us for. Um, so, you know, if you can retire and still have 20 years of independence with your physical body left, yeah, I, I want my, my body and my money to run out at exactly the same day. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and to your point, Gray, I think kind of the, the perspective that I, I also bring, and I know I've had a lot of conversations with Lee, um, I was a paramedic for 20 years, right? 
And, and I don't know exactly what it is today, but it used to be 70% of all healthcare dollars were in the last three years of your life, right? And I, and I saw that. I mean, I would see patients with shoeboxes of meds, right? And, and they, they, how long have they, you know, so they're, they're 75 years old. Uh, they've been confined to this house for the last 10 to 15 years. And the only place they go is to the doctor and back or to the hospital and back. And, and I will tell you that back when that was the, the other thing, because what I saw as a paramedic was if you want to talk about a death sentence, have a 70 year old fall and break their hip. That was a death sentence. Right. Um, and that's where all this movement back then made sense to me. And then as I do get closer to retirement, that's my goal, right? I, I, the, the concepts that we're talking about, I have a trap bar in my garage. It's got 275. It stays 275 every day. <laughs> I go in, I, li- I, I lift it every day. I, it literally, I get up before I go to work. I'm in my uniform, pick it up, put it down. Okay, I'm good to go, right? I, I, I have at least enough for today. Uh, we'll see tomorrow. Um, and it's so th- those... No, and 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 are you training or are you running a systems check? Yes, (laughs) yes, you're right. I mean, that's um, you know, can can I do it? Yeah, a couple years ago, buddy of mine and I did it, and I was screwed up. We did, uh, I did 26 times. He beat me at 30 uh, at 275, and I couldn't walk for probably two. My back was locked up. Okay, that's stupid. Um, Clearly, I don't have that capacity, but but I do need. I do know I need enough. Right. And, and so we started talking about this healthcare and, you know, FMS, um, uh, is healthcare, right? It, FMS health and safe, it, it all ties together because you're going to end up in the ground if you can't move. And I've seen it for 30 years. Did you have something, Lee? I'm sorry. I, <laughs> yeah. I've always got to, I've always got to, oh, is Lee still here? Is yeah. Lee still here, Mike? I'm sorry. I thought we were just having a conversation. <laughs> no, I think the, I think the big takeaway is, especially with a lot of people out there trying to get into this, this area, whether it's a tactical area with the fire service police or whether it's with the industry and they're trying to overcomplicate it, right? They're trying to go in there with all their knowledge and trying to, you know, bring, you know, what, what, what you know, the periodization model and all this and that when actually you're, you're talking about, the general population who just want to get up and go throughout their day without pain. And they want to be able to do the things they want to be able to do, whether it's play softball on the weekend or golf on the weekends without their back hurting so they can get through another week and they can feel good and have some money in their pocket and they can dress themselves when they're 80. That's what people want. And, and tell them to, you know, as as simple as like you said, I love the idea. If it's in a package, don't eat it. You don't have to go, like you said, weeds and seeds and go down the rabbit hole. If you just, and I think the one thing you said that made a major impact was stop drinking the monster drinks. Just drink water. Those simple little tidbits can go a long way if with this pieces of advice. Hey, can you touch your toes? No, you should be able to touch your toes. Simple things. Well, I don't know where I heard the statistic, and this was so long ago, I think I was still in one of my degrees at the time, but the only physical metric that we can measure on you from an entry-level standpoint that is not age-dependent is mobility. Mobility seems to be more associated with activity level than age, because I can find you, probably not in this country, but in other countries, 80-year-olds that can 
peg a deep squat, touch their toes, rotate and look over each shoulder. You don't hear popping and cracking. Now, they're not as strong as they once were. Their cardio is down. Almost every other thing, even your trap bar deadlift, that's going to go down. But your ability to bend down and grab it shouldn't go down. You see what I'm saying? So no, it, no, it's not great. It's not going down. <laughs> it's stay right where it's at. So I think what you've got it engineered for is the day you you know you're 78 years old, you bend over, you pick it up, you blow a clot, you have a stroke, you're done. So yeah, you, done. <laughs> but I do th- I do think we we've, we've got to you know in us three speaking and hopefully some people listening, we've got to start trying to get into those industries. And try to make a change and not because I think that's where it's going to be. That's where, you know, all the people you're seeing out there, Mike, that's unhealthy and all the people. And then we know the statistics now, you know, I think if we as professionals can get more involved and try to at least have certain conversations instead of maybe just, you know, I'm going to try to get a little kumbaya instead of just waiting for somebody to come into the gym and and work them out, you know, try to maybe be a little bit more proactive um, because I do think. People don't know it. I shouldn't say that. People know what they want. They all want what we just described, but they don't know how to get there. They don't know what to do. They go on the internet or Instagram and all this other stuff and get the wrong advice. Because as you said, most of the people need to be in circuit. They all need to start somewhere different. And they don't all need to start in the same place. And I think if we can just take some, you know, just take a little... step over towards the the fire departments or, you know, some of the industries and start having these conversations, even if it's education. Um, well, as you said, start simple. The the, the summary that, that I, I want to give people is I honestly think that when we looked at the developmental progression that every infant goes through, they hit these developmental milestones. They roll, they crawl, they, they stand, they step, they do whatever they do. And if these things are that important, to get you upright and moving, then when is it okay to lose them? Secondly, we, by default, and, and, and I don't think we realized this when we were doing it, we were probably one of the first groups to look at human movement as a behavior, not as a biomechanical or exercise signature. And the implication is we weren't given the gift of movement so we can exercise. The gift of exercise is to reclaim movement. And so if your exercise expenditure isn't reclaiming that authentic movement signature, please tell me what it's doing for you other than the endorphins, because you can move good or bad and get the endorphins. That's a, that's a physiological yeah. response to fatigue you know, and, and, and exercise. But my, my whole thing is the minute you start putting the word pattern and movement together, that's almost like saying, hey, I'm going to divide this group. I need everybody who's sleep behavior is under five hours, go over there because we're going to figure out why. Not all those people will have the same excuse for bad sleep. Some will have a son with a rock band that is playing in the garage at 2.30 at night. It doesn't matter why you're sleeping bad. Sleeping bad's enough for me to know that that's going to create a problem if we don't quarantine it quickly. So when we talk about movement and somebody's asking me a glute medius question, what they don't understand is if I don't see a bad lunge, squat, hurdle step, or anything else, I'm not going to worry about your glute medius, right? That's for somebody who wants to write a (laughs) glute medius article. Your patterns define if we need to look at your parts. And if your patterns are good, I don't need to talk to you about your parts. And if they're bad, 
we'll wind up there if we need to. No, I, I couldn't say it any better, which is why I'm not great cook. You are. Um, but, um, I think the, the takeaway in this, uh, to to Lee's point of who can benefit from FMS. Well, what is there? Seven billion people on the planet. I mean that that's and and it's a starting point, right? It, it it's it it's, tells people like we talked about the firefighters, utility workers. It shows them that that there's room to be in, to improve. Um, and so when you you know that's the exciting part about the future is you know we're we're on another cycle right here we are 20 years later uh and i think the the testament to fms is it's still here right i mean i've seen some great you know hey use this app use that well where's that at oh that doesn't exist anymore right and the <laughs> because the, the the proof is in the pudding uh in the simplicity um and the results that have been proven over time uh, but but i i would say if we look at our market uh, just like Lee said in the opening, you know, you guys were mostly focused on athletics. Well, it's taken us 20 years to get, you know, okay, now we've got some utility workers. We've got, you know, I've got a, um, a recreation company that does zip lines. I'm working with them. Right. And, and we're, it's becoming more mainstream. And I think the next move is going to be general population. How do you get it out there? Um, I, I, I'm having conversations with insurance companies. Okay, and wh- why would an insurance company ever want you to know your FMS? Well, because that hip I talked about, they're the ones that are going to have to pay for it. And and now the way healthcare is, is that employer or that insurance company owns that injury for the rest of your life, right? And so if they can do a little bit on the preventive, um, that's just opening it up to everybody else. You know, for me, that's the exciting part, the 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 part that bums me out is I don't have enough time. I'm, I've only got like 30 years left to, to, before I can uh, do help all these people. And I know that's what we're all in the business for. Uh, I, I've always said, and, and you've heard me say, uh, FMS is a healthcare company, right? It, it, it's, it's, it's a proactive healthcare company. We're not, we're not reactive. We're not, we, sometimes we may get to you after the fact that you've been injured and it's a return to work or return to play. Uh, but, be proactive. Don't be reactive. No, that's, that's, that's a beautiful summary. And man, let me tell you, we, we've been talking the talk, but when you take us into environments that, that we would have never gotten into, when you take us to places and post numbers and build cultures and train others, uh, that's, uh, we're, we're square. <laughs> you, you don't owe us a thing because all we've, we've ever wanted to do is say, you know, it's so funny that, uh, people identify as a firefighter or a football player or an MMA, you know, uh, mixed martial artist, and they want to know what kind of workout should I do? Well, let's see if you can generally move first and then we'll get specific. And it's so funny how people identify more. I bet when you went through football, linebackers had a different workout than, uh, um, uh, oh. yeah. And, 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 you know, John Terrine and I had those conversations is it overnight, it changed. We're going to train you because of what your movement told us about you, not about the position you aspire to. Because all of a sudden, if they move you from linebacker to defensive end, does your workout just change overnight? You're still the same person. But it was so funny how people like, well, is that a good workout for triathletes? 
you know? And I'm saying we've completely lost this. I remember, remember Pavel used to talk about in RKC, this general physical preparedness, and then we're going to do that other thing you like so much, right? And, and the yeah. concept of general physical preparedness eludes us. We don't even have it in PE anymore. So we just go right into baseball. <laughs> and the kid can't well, we do a pull-up. We society, yeah. right? We don't have it in society. I, mean, I hate to say it. That's why I have a job. Um, because right. people are accident prone, right? I, and again, nobody wants to say it. Um, but yeah, we, we, you don't have just basic movement competency day in and day out. You know, people step off of a curb and they blow out their ankle. Well, what is that? that that's a, that's a five inch curb. Yep. Um, so it's everywhere. Yeah. And, and, and it's not discriminatory, but you know, when, when you probably started your career, the majority of the U S wasn't considered obese or morbidly obese. Uh, now the mini- minority of the United States is not obese. And if you don't think that cardiovascular fitness, BMI, and movement run in clusters, then go ahead and do movement screens on the entire country. And the people who are having movement issues are also having weight issues and cardiovascular issues. But the first thing their physician's going to tell them to do is eat right and exercise, right? They've already got a risk factor for exercise. It's not going to go well. It's going to be an orthopedic issue. So they've got to dose that met. If you use exercise as medicine, you better be ready to dose it. I, nobody just hands you your opioid and says, take all of them today, (laughs) right? Or your ibuprofen, take all of them today. But yet that's exactly how we think fitness is going to do. We just got to join the gym. It could be purple. It could be orange and all would be good. No, it won't. You've already, you're coming at this with risk factors, which means our precision, our accuracy, our on-ramp has to meet you where you are. But I can tell you right now, if, if your BMI's off, your cardio's off, somebody's going to say exercise, and that's going to be the worst and best thing they could tell you, depending on who they are. Well, to that point, Gray, and I know we're running close on time here, but you know, when, when you talk about it, you got to meet them where they're at, because the majority, or not majority, a large portion of the population is obese. When I got hired, we, I stood in line for 14 hours and there was 10,000 people for a hundred jobs. That was the fire service back then. Today for the same hundred jobs, there's 3,500. Why is that? And that just came to my, as you're talking about it, is it, there's not as many people that can do the job or want to do the job. I, I would say yes. Cause it, it, it's just as hard, if not harder, um, but we don't have as many in the population that are conditioned and, and ready to do it. Or can they pass the physical agility? It's the same one as it was 20 years ago, believe it or not. Um, but why, are, why do we have a limited amount when, you know, the, the, I think there's some other factors. But when you look at that, that's almost two-thirds less people for the same amount of jobs. I think I think what you're saying is the obesity and people's ability has decreased over the last 30 years. Yeah, no question, Mike. We we got a lot of work to do, man. But I think I think we've got yeah. the tools to do it. Uh, listen, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Appreciate the last 20 years being able to talk to you, spend some time with you. Um, thanks so much. Glad we were able to reconnect right here. Yeah, it was great. And and, and again, I, I can't say it enough. 
thank you for for picking up my calls, right? Uh, your your mentorship. Uh, I I would be remiss not to mention John. Uh, John in in the building of FMS Health and Safety. John was key. I could not have done it without him. And and again, you guys fall into that same category. Uh, and I look forward to the next twenty years because I'm not going to stop moving. Thank you Thanks, for being guys. you, man. I got a paddleboard that'll hold you. Come visit me. <laughs> okay. You guys have a good one. That will do it for this episode of the Movement Podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you liked what you heard, please take a minute and subscribe and review. If you want to learn more about our system and take the next step in your own movement journey, visit us at movementpod.com. Until next time, be sure to first move well, then move often.